morning, Adi. Good morning, Ben Along. How are we? Very well, Apricot. How are you traveling? Oh, if I'm fairly honest, I'm exhausted. Um, but pretty good, I guess. <laughs> Great to hear. What about you, Ben Along? I'm fantastic. My alarm went off on time and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ten seconds in and already he's into it. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, we got to keep these green supporters on their toes. <laughs> to be fair, I did spend most of last night at a fundraiser helping out, um, hence my exhaustion. Oh, good. Yeah, how, how'd it go? It was actually really good. Um, I didn't get to see the show that I was like the fundraiser was about, uh, mainly because I did all that insidious networking. Um. But no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I want to do more of those in the future. Um, and I'm I, for the record as well. I'm also currently putting back. I'm putting my branch back together after it slightly imploded. Oh, that's um, always fun. Oh. Yeah, it's always good fun. <laughs> but you had the leadership skills, Apricot. Yes. Well, well, we'll see. I think it's probably going to come down to that. <laughs> Oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, fair. Look, you, sound, you strike me as someone who's good at putting things back together. You might have to give uh, Matthew Guy some advice. <laughs> oh, yes. Before we jump into our first topic being Matthew Guy, oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> as, a sort of, as a sort of prelude. <laughs> as a sort of prelude, I'd just like to basically go over the recent uh, Roy Morgan poll for you guys. So... Um, now, personally, I don't trust Roy Morgan all that much, but they're not this wrong. Uh, they last, Yesterday, they released a poll uh, with a two-party preferred in Victoria of 60.5% to the ALP, 395 to the Coalition, wow. um, with the Liberals only winning uh, 27... Uh, what was it? Yeah, 27% of the primary vote. So, like, wow. the Victorian Liberals look to be in a pretty bad sh- way at the moment. And when when was this poll taken? Uh, this poll was taken uh, from Thursday the 11th to Saturday uh, the 13th. It was a snap poll. Oh, okay. So, yeah, fairly recent. Um, Let's just jump into it. Matthew Guy had has ha- had a terrible week, um, a terrible two weeks, really, at this point. Um, his chief of staff has been implicated in a possible scandal. He's been implicated in a possible scandal. He's lost, like, three of his staff. Um, and I don't know if any of you watched, uh, sorry, well, listened to his interview on 3AW um, mm. earlier this week, but that was just an absolute train wreck. Yes, the one with Tom Elliott. Yes, yes, it was it was very bad. Um, so I thought we'd just reflect on this week of Matthew Guy and ask the important question: <laughs> uh, like Will he stay on? Music. <laughs> <laughs> will he stay on as in, as opposition leader? Been along. Uh, um, I hope so. Because so, I'm really looking for Labor to win this election, so um, I don't think if they, <laughs> I don't think if they change leader, it's um, pretty much the same in federal politics. They haven't really got anybody that can take over from him, so there's no talent there. Um, the LNP right across Australia seems to be bereft of talent, and Matthew Guy sort of personifies that. Mm. Yeah, look, I have. Look, I, I, you, you know my opinion that I've said before on uh, the Victorian Libs and and Matthew Guy. I find them, I find them extremely, extremely uninspiring. I don't think they're presenting anything of great interest. They're presenting nothing to be passionate about. However, I do, (laughs) I do, (laughs) I do want to, um, much as it pains me, on the, uh, I I listened to the the Tom Elliott interview and he was, he he was essentially hammering uh, Guy on the, uh, the resignation of, um, oh, blinking, it's Mitch, Mitch Catlin, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, he he was hammering him on that, uh, as have uh, most of the media. Now, 
I'm going to say that I'm actually on Matthew Guy's side on this in, on this in, issue, just on principle. The reason why I'm on his side on this um, Mitch Catchland thing is that proposals happen all the time, and then the media playing what if about something that never happened is basically just a, a public fantasy role-playing game. His um, chief of staff gave him a suggestion. Uh, we don't know because we got polywaffle exactly what Matthew Guy's reaction to that was, uh, and the donor didn't go ahead with it. In other words, it was something that essentially never happened, and like many things in politics, and you two would particularly know this about what gets discussed in the you know the the, the Greens and the Democrats, there's proposals all the time. And on this side, on this issue, I think Matthew Guy is perfectly correct to say uh, it didn't happen, therefore it's uh, essentially a non-event. And pretending that something horrible might have happened doesn't actually mean that there's anything to account for. Yeah. Now, the thing is, is I kind of disagree. Um, yeah. so, so, first of all, I disagree that he was being hammered. Um, uh, Tom Elliott is the interviewer's name, is that right? Yep, correct, Tom Elliott. He, he was essentially spoon-feeding him in just a, can you just say that, like, this was wrong and just like that, you know, you don't, you don't agree with it, but... He couldn't even say that. He, like, couldn't answer basic fundamental questions. Um, and I think that's kind of what's really, really set this off. Um, just, mm. you know, is this the only time it's happened? Um, and it was also a little more than a proposal. Like, they, they had a contract drawn up and everything. Um so, Look, I can, I, can, yeah. I can understand that. And that, that interview in particular... Personally, I think that was badly handled, and I think that the average per the average, I think a lot of uh, people now are, are more tuned into the polywaffle, and it just didn't ring true. And yeah, uh, d d despite what I said about how, on principle, I support him, and I, I stand by that. I think the way he handled himself in that interview uh, was uh, was very poorly advised. Did, did you hear it at all, Ben Along, or hear about this incident? We're in Queensland. We don't hear anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no um, my focus has been mainly um, over the last couple of weeks on, um, one, getting the Democrats um, registered in Victoria and, two, on the upcoming 2024 Queensland election. Um, I remember um, hearing something about They've lost three staff members in the last week. I think it was Lee Anderson um, quit. I didn't hear that particular interview. Um, so, But we do get little snippets here and there, and it does seem like um, Matthew Guy is a man under siege. Um, yeah, so that particular interview, no, I didn't hear it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Look, I just thought, it just, just, just was curious if you you had it was uh, I, I apricot and I are in agreement. As an interview, it was a it was a train wreck, uh, and I think too, it's unfortunately you have uh, public appearance appearances like that which serve as a constant touchstone going at going ahead into an election campaign and it's the type of thing that can really stick in somebody's memory and impact them on the vote i i don't i'm, I'm with apricot i'm skeptic skeptical about the results of that uh that poll however these are the type of things that people make decisions on on election day uh, much, much as we'd like to think it's this this grand contemplation of democracy and our civic duty and what's going to serve the community the best it's you know with the sausages hot is this bloke a dickhead and what am i getting <laughs> oh dear um no is I, I agree what Sorry? is that is matthew guy a dickhead well, that, that, that might that might be. You know, there's plenty of people think the same thing about Daniel Andrews, but the same principle applies. Don't run Daniel down. He's doing the best he can. 
As a Queenslander, I have a lot of sympathy for Victoria. So. Oh, I have um, a lot of sympathy big... for me here in Victoria as well. <laughs> yeah, just the fact um, you live in Victoria to start with, I mean. But, um, <laughs> I spent six months there, it's too bloody cold. Well, I, I certainly uh, am currently sitting in my office with a coil heater wrapped around me because I'm freezing. So. <laughs> I must admit, I've got the Uggies on. 22 <laughs> degrees here in Queensland. Yeah, but you guys never have seasons. We have a cold day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. cold day. That's, that's, that's 17th of July or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you all come you all come down here to have a bitch about how cold it is so you can head back up there and pretend that uh, you never get a day of winter. Oh, it's fantastic here. We have the Ecker on at the moment. They have a Peter Dutton show bag. So, oh, oh well, Peter, well, speaking so he's completely of empty. Peter Dutton, <laughs> overpriced and full of shit. But ah. <laughs> sorry, speaking. that's the next. Topic. All good. Well, yeah. Speaking of Peter Dutton, we might move on to that topic. Um, Peter Dutton's been in opposition now for almost a hundred days. Uh, I would say he's certainly made the role his, in a sense, you know, like everyone knows he's the opposition leader now. Um, so I thought it would just be a good time to reflect on his performance as opposition leader and perhaps the, like, Liberals in opposition in general. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't been too impressed at the moment. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Green Is not happy with Liberals. With you mean? Too yeah. With not in, I'm not impressed with Dutton. I'm not impressed with the Liberals in opposition either. Uh, look, I, I could, I, I would, I probably agree on that. Um, look, I, as far as Dutton goes, uh, and when these guys get up to that level of power, they do have a skill set, regardless of what we may think of them. They, they have a lot of cap, a lot of capability. Um, for me, Dutton, he's been establishing his image. He's standing fast and strong on his position. He's making noises about the environment and he's pushing back against Albanese when it benefits the, the coalition. So, look, he's he's ticking things off like that. But lest you think I'm a fan of Dutton, in my opinion, he's a dangerous, bellicose man who's been an accelerant on the surveillance state fire that steadily burned its way through the undergrowth of Australian society. I don't like people like him in power, um, but I think he's so far doing a reasonable job. But same comment as the Victorian Liberals. I just feel nothing for them. They're so uninspiring. <laughs> what about you, Ben Along? Um, I actually think he's doing better than I expected him to. He's sort of um, sat down and shut up for a lot of the um, time, but when he dis does speak up... Labor sort of comes back straight away with um, an answer. Like, for example, he came out last week and said about, you know, Anthony Albanese has broken a promise. He brought to bring down electricity prices. And, and then, lo and behold, six days later, Albanese comes out, OK, we've committed $160 million to the wind farm, $2 billion wind farm in Queensland, and that will bring down electricity prices. And, you know, everything Dutton does, Albanese just comes back and shoots him down. Yeah, I sort of get the idea. It's like a cat and mouse game, you know. Albanese just sitting back laughing his ass off, and every time Dutton opens his mouth, Albanese shoots him back down. Yeah, the thing is, though, in my view, Peter Dutton is sort of taking uh, almost a page out of um, Labor's book from 2019 after the 2019 election. But he's kind of making them functionally irrelevant. You know, it was like Labor could afford after 2019 to step back and, you know, work on themselves, you know, maybe, you know, go on an exercise regime, start eating healthy, all that kind of thing. They could they could afford to do that because the Morrison government wasn't really doing much. Whereas now the new Albanese government is actually doing things and they have to have, like, the Liberals have to have positions on these things. And 
we, we, we have what some could describe as the first productive parliament in a decade, just about. And he's really kind of removing the Liberals from that process. Like, you know, in terms of like the whole climate uh, debate, he made the Liberals moot in that by declaring it as a stunt and that he won't talk to them. Um, and then he made some noise about nuclear energy. There's this job summit's coming up. He's gone, oh, that's a stunt. I'm not going to go with that. So now the Liberals are not going to have any input in that. Um, <clears throat> like the biggest thing to come out of the Liberals so far is that they really want everyone wearing a tie, it seems. Huh. Um, do, do, do you know what I mean, though? Like how they're just like, they're yeah, stepping look, back I, from everything. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind you elaborating just on two two points that you mm-hmm. made then um you, you said that he has taken a page out of the the playbook of, of labor from 2019 can you just elaborate on that a little bit more and the other point i just want you to expand on is you uh, said arguably this is the uh first productive parliament we've had in i can't remember the time period but you made that thing can you can you just expand on those two a bit please sure so um, when I say that they're taking a leaf out of the ALP's playbook from 2019, what I'm saying is in the post-2019 election, um, the ALP did really kind of step back. Um, like, you know, they weren't going into Parliament every day and hammering Morrison and things like that. They were trying to really find themselves after that loss, um, which, you know, they they had every right to, but there was one... There was one interview I kind of can really recall with Albanese. Um, I think he'd been leader for maybe a month at that point. Um, And they were asking, oh, what's Labour's position on this, you know, thing? And he was essentially like, leave us alone. Like, we're not the government. Go talk to the government about it. Oh, Um, yes. Yes, I remember that one. Yeah, and so it feels like Dutton's kind of trying to take a similar approach, but it's not really working because these kind of, like, when, then we come to the productive parliament, mm. Albanese is doing a lot of things, a lot of things that, you know, across party lines and that, you know, in any other kind of parliament, the Liberals would be, you know, champing at the bit to go to a job summit. Um, mm. But they're not, and it's, I think the job summit's actually a really key thing because we had just had some news about that today where, so Dutton's pulled out. He's like, no one from the coalition is going to go too bad. And then now David Littleproud's like, actually, I'll go. Um, and now Adam Band and Barbara Prokop, uh, the new Green Senator for South Australia who holds our employment portfolio, are going. So this job summit is going to be the Nationals, Greens, and the ALP all represented while Dutton's in a corner somewhere going, no, it's just a stunt. Oh, so just so, to clarify that, gr- the Greens weren't going to go. The Greens hadn't been invited. Um, they've received oh. an invite today. Oh, oh cool. so that's that's an interesting little play potentially by Albanese to have, have thought, well, we can present exactly that image that you said there, Labor, the Nationals, Greens, and um, I'm sorry, I forgot the other uh, other one, but no Liberals. That's uh, That's an interesting invite to send out. Yeah, you, you, it's essentially... Well, they were invited and they snubbed it. Um, yep. But so, yeah, it will be the ALP, the Greens, and the Nationals, you know, people from the Business Council, people from unions, um, all getting together, working out, you know, Australia's job market, whatever, for the next however long. It's going to be held in September. Um, but, you know, what what uh, what's going to be the Liberals' position on it? You know, what can Dutton say about the events that happen at somewhere where he refused to go. Mm. Like, he can't say much. Um, there was also uh, the voice to Parliament where, you know, they did kind of make some noise about that, about maybe not supporting it, maybe they will, and then they've kind of just let that fall by the wayside as well. Like, they haven't. I don't think they've come to a conclusive position yet. Um. So, yeah, at this point, Dutton's Liberals seem to be just kind of irrelevant to the political process. Yeah, well, what, they've got about 55, 57 seats or something, haven't they? So they haven't, you know, they don't really have much say in what goes on. You know. True. And even in the Senate, you know, they're not really in a position to, you know, win one over the government necessarily. Yeah, well, the Greens are in a stronger position than what the Liberals are in the Senate. Um, it's, you know, much as a yeah, I'm not a fan of the Greens, but um, yeah, the last week or two they have been been a lot better. So, 
Um, well, no, look, I mean, you're 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 openly a um, a, a, a a Democrat, uh, Ben Along. Do you uh, feel more of a, I suppose, allegiance camaraderie with the? the and this is a slight divergence, divergence. But seeing as we've got uh, got two members from the parties, or you know, like members, yeah, uh, of the actual uh, political parties, Operate, operational members. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you view the Greens as as more of an an, an ally, um, more on your side than you do Labor or, or uh, Labor and or Liberal or the the coalition? Uh, our history when we were in the um, Parliament was um, to work with whoever was the government of the day. So um, we worked with Labor quite well, and we worked with um, the LNP quite well. Um, yeah. Um, we negotiated on the GST, which a lot of people sort of don't realise, and um, we got over 300 exemptions on the GST, uh, including health products, which are not being passed along now. Um, rent was an exemption, um, education, and fresh food. So um, if it hadn't been for the Democrats, you'd be paying GST and all these things now. Um, was the GST a mistake? Probably. Um, mm. But we've also worked with whoever's in the government at the day, and um, we had good negotiation skills back in those days. Um, maybe not so much now, because we're um, a little irrelevant as far as that goes. But um, yeah, we would have worked with the Liberal government. Um, we would have disagreed with them. But um, I think the Democrats had better negotiation skills than the Greens. Not to say that the Greens don't have good negotiation skills, but we used to put forward proposals for changes to legislation rather than demands. And I think that's what gets a lot of people off site. Whether they are actual mm. demands or not, or whether the newspapers are just reporting them as demands, um, I'm not privy to that. Um, Apricot will probably fill me in more about that. But um, I think the media is pretty much against the Greens as much as they're against the Labor, against Labor um, and seem to be more sympathetic to the LNP. So... Um, yeah, we would have worked with the LNP, um, such a, just as we would have worked with Labor. And we had a pretty good success rate, like 300 um, changes to the Environmental Protection Act back in 1998, um, before it got introduced, uh, um, back when the Greens were still new. Yeah, well, look, I, I suppose the, uh, the, other, the other part of my question was, you know, it really in a game in which uh, alliances mean so much, uh, do you feel that uh, the Greens are, are more your ally than, say, Labor and uh, Liberal? I think they're as much their ally as what Labor is. I don't think Liberal is an ally. I think, yeah, I think Liberal's only allies are Clive Palmer and Pauline Hanson, basically. <laughs> Maybe the Liberal Democrats to some extent. But, um, yeah, interestingly, the Liberal Democrats um, <laughs> stole our name. So... I, I thought they stole Liberal's name. <laughs> yeah. They stole a little bit of one. Same as same as same as the New Liberals. Um, Democrats were originally called the New Liberal Alliance before they were called the Democrats. So the New Liberals stole their name as well. They also oh. stole your motto. Uh, everybody stole our motto. So <laughs> some people we don't mind using it, like um, Jackie Lambie and Rex Patrick. We don't mind them using it. But um, not when Pauline Hanson and the new Liberals start using it. You know, they've got to keep themselves honest before they keep the bastards honest. Ha, yeah. Hey, just that while... is a fantastic line, by the way, and you guys should definitely use that in your campaigning. It is. It's got a long, lot of longevity, hasn't it? Uh, we, don't, we spoke to Rex Patrick. We actually asked him to become a member of the party, but he declined. And um, we told him, yeah, Ooh. we're quite happy with you to keep using Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Hang on. <laughs> It's all good. Uh, he could have got elected, but he he snubbed us. So anyway, I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Just on those uh, those machinations, I that I had a note down to ask you. And seeing as we've done a little uh, little side segue into the into the the Democrat, Democrats, which I appreciate, can you just clarify for for me? And I'm guessing there's a number of people have the same question. Uh, the the difference between the Democrat. Democrats being uh, registered fe um, federally and what they're having to face to register in Victoria? 
uh, just the process um, that's ahead? Yeah, we've actually um, got enough members to register in Victoria and we put the um, registration application before the um, Victorian Electoral Commission, so we're just waiting to hear back. And um, all things being equal, we should be running candidates in the Victorian election. Um, there's no decisions yet whether it'll be just the Senate or the lower house. Uh, my personal mm -hmm. preference is the lower house rather than the Senate. It's a lot harder to get in the Senate now than it was back in the days when... Um, uh, Democrats had, I think, 11 senators in Parliament. It's a lot harder now. The election um, is different federally. Not sure about the Victorian elections, but I think with the Teals getting um, like 16 independents and minor parties in the federal Parliament, obviously mm. there's an appetite for that. And I think um, the Democrats would have more chance in the lower house in Victoria than they would... Um, necessarily in the Senate. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be running um, candidates in both, but my yeah. opinion, if I get my way, which I very rarely do, but anyway, um, <laughs> but I'm used to actually also married anyway, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> if, if it's all right, I might just uh, quickly give you a bit of a free campaigning advice, Ben Along. Um, yeah, you are you are right in terms of our lower house seats. Uh, one of the key things changes in the Greens, I think, since I want to say about 2016, um, uh, and maybe even really from 2010, is we used to run like upper house campaigns to get senators elected. You know, we'd always have our senators out in front, out and proud. Um, <clears throat> but oddly enough, it's a bit hard to have cut through with an entire state of people. Yes, um, no, exactly. So you run and, the lower candidates to um, push votes towards the Senate candidates. Exactly. And that, uh, especially in the last election, has actually really paid off well for us, um, mm. which is why we oh, now have 12 right. senators. But we just didn't have enough money to run lower house candidates in 151 seats. So um, we're yeah. still a more... So I wanted to run candidates. I actually wanted to run as a candidate myself, but... Um, it was decided we wouldn't run lower house candidates. New South Wales ran one, um, much to the dismay of the rest of the national executive, but I was quite delighted by it. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think we, should, you know, if they wanted to pay for their own nomination fee and run their own campaign, they should have been allowed to. And I think that was a mistake the Democrats made in the federal election because there were quite a lot mm. wanted to run in the local electorate and they'd pay their own. But um, I don't know, there's a pig-headedness going on. So that's all right, I'll solve that. I'll work that out. Huh. Fair enough. Oh, pig-headedness in a political party apparatus. Well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't keep... Yeah, they've got this thing that, you know, they can't keep living on just their name alone. Like We have um, more policies than any other minor party, Um and I'm sure Apricot is going to disagree with me on that, but we do have... Yeah, like, I think I just have to. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Look, this has become its own topic Bring it now, on. so let's, let's let launch into it. <laughs> well, Bring it on, Apricot. The, Green, the Greens have a fully costed election platform. Um, I, I obviously haven't done the complete numbers in the amount of policies that we have, um, but I... I, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, uh, I'm gonna doubt that the Democrats have more. I'm just gonna, uh, just gonna bring that doubt there. Yeah, we have quite a lot that are in the background, haven't been finalised. Like I'm doing the vocational education and training policy. Um, I've still got a bit of work to that. I'm working on a triple with a triple PhD holder on that um, in vocational education. So where we want to change to, um, well. I want to change to um, resource-based education rather than competency-based training, but the rest of the Democrats don't agree with that. Okay. So, um, that's just one example. We have a lot of other policies like that that are still under um, review. Our economics policy was prepared by two um, actual economists, one of who works for the Australian government um, as an economist in New York <laughs> for the Trade Commissioners. Office, um, Federal Trade Commission. We won't go into the Trade Commission. Um, so, you know, the people that are preparing our policies are people that have doctorates and um, degrees in the areas that they're doing. Are they fully costed? Mm -hmm. No, we don't have the resources like parliamentary library and things like that and access to the um, 
uh, to the Auditor uh, General. And things. Yeah, we don't have access to all that because we don't have members in Parliament, whereas the Greens do. Um, as far as whether the um, policies for the Greens are fully costed, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not sure whether the costings that the Greens do um, is realistic. Um, I applaud them for you know, having a go. And um, when they first came in, same as the Democrats, they were just um, an environmental party. Um, but they have expanded to a lot um, to put forward other policies. But a lot of the policies seem to be ideologies um, or ideologies, as um, you know, um, has been called on the electronic media, um, ideologies coming from idiocy. So, um, so a lot of the costing seems to come from, um, you know, in an ideal world, this is what would happen. But it's not an ideal world. We're a trillion dollars in debt, which is not a great deal, really, um, considering we're the 11th biggest economy in the world. Um, we can wear that. But um, it might sound a lot, but um, we've got the resources to be able to get out of that eventually. So um, oh, do, I don't think the Greens think so? costs on a lot of things. Um, give it 20 years or so, long after you and I are dead, I do. But um, oh. I don't think the Greens' costings are necessarily entirely accurate. And I think some of their ideas on um, the economy and things like that may not be entirely workable. But I'm prepared to be proven wrong, Apricot. Well, we'll see. I'm not going to really touch that, mainly because I'm not that interested. Okay, fair <laughs> uh, enough. I don't, in, in case you guys don't know, um, I don't do much in terms of the federal party. Um, my statement, like my involvement even at state is fairly limited, especially at the moment. I'm much more kind of hyper-focused on my local branch area. Um, so I just, I don't really know enough to properly comment and i was always told that you know rather than spout bullshit if you don't know something don't talk about it ha huh. oh, so we're going back so we're going back we're going back to peter dutton again now are we ha huh. so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually just just as we're just we're on the tail end of the uh the the, the democrat seg democrat party segment here uh just could you just uh sort of elaborate for me ben along what was the reasoning given uh, you you we might think it is pig-headedness however what was the actual reasoning given for the uh, party structure being against people in new south wales paying their own way and yet still representing the democrats i would have thought that was a win-win well it wasn't just new south wales it was right across the australia there were people like we have um well over two thousand members now we um, we did a recruitment drive and got 1,300 members in three and a half weeks um, using social media advertising. So um, with the um, artificial intelligence aspects of Facebook. Um, so we had people there that were willing to put their own money up, um, as the Senate candidates did here in Queensland and others in Victoria, um, put their own money up to run the campaigns. Um, our funding was very limited um, because we're not a big party anymore. Um, but the mentality was we've always been a Senate party, okay? Times change mm -hmm. and, um, you know, some of the older guard have got to let go and let, and let um, some of us newer members, I won't say younger members because I'm certainly not that, but mm -hmm. some of us newer members. I've been in the party for about 16 years on and off, by the yep. way. Um, I used to work for a senator um, up here in Queensland. And, um, yeah, I think it was a mistake. Um, but but yeah. what was the re what was the reason that was was given? Because from my point of view, as someone who is not really much of a uh, yeah policy process wonk as as you two are, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, isn't that basically just free advertising for the party, or am I missing some? Um, no, you're not. You're strategic not missing something. You're not missing something. Um, the national executive came to um, the majority of the national executive came to the. Um, uh, conclusion that we've always been a Senate party and that we should continue to be that. But the only reason they got to get into the Senate was because back in the day, um, back in the 1980s, 1990s, they used to run candidates in every single 
electorate, whereas um, even the major parties don't necessarily do that. Um, and the votes from um, the local candidates, those people would say, oh, okay, we'll vote um, number one for Democrats in, say, Griffith, for example. Um, and we'll also vote number one for the Democrats in Queensland in the Senate. So that was the way it used to run back in the um, back in the day. But for some reason, the national executive, um, most of who have only been in politics for five minutes, um, mm. so, uh, well, three, four years, but um, in the big scheme of things, that's a very short time, um, just said, we've always been a Senate party. Let's just concentrate on the Senate. Um, also, um, lack of finances. Um, they had this idea... We want to control the campaigns, which I believe was wrong. Um, let the local members run their own campaigns. They know what's going on in their own electorates and they live in them. So oh. um, it was a mistake, but, um, you know, hopefully we'll fix that for the 2025 election. Well, pre presumably, too, you're wanting to see it um, fixed for, well, you're wanting to see it tested out in this new approach new approach trialed in the upcoming Victorian elections. That Correct me if I'm wrong, but that would be a, a good test bed for this new approach. Most definitely, but they haven't made any decision on um, who are going to be candidates, um, whether they're going to concentrate in the Senate or the lower house. I hope they concentrate on both, but we still haven't been uh, formally um, registered as a party in Queensland. We have put forward um, two weeks ago um, we had the numbers well over the 500. Um, by the way, we have the um, numbers for state election, uh, state registration in every state in Australia now. We're, um, I'm not sure the numbers. I know we're well over the 2,000 and uh, we have over 500, 550 in Queensland, uh, right. 550 in Victoria. So um, the first step is to get registered and then to sort of, um, you know, launch a campaign we are lucky that we have um a political scientist from a university phd holder mm -hmm. and the campaign manager federally uh yeah is um also 20 years experience as the um liberal party campaign manager in western australia not sure whether that's a good thing or not but um i, yeah, I suppose <laughs> suppose we're going to good in western australia well, look, I suppose I suppose we're we're going to to see. Hey, look, Pete, I know you. That were they were all questions without notice, but seeing as we had you there, I appreciate that. We just had a couple of uh, comments from the the people listening uh, to us live. Uh, uh, a g'day to Skinny Ginger. Uh, we've also got a comment from Ku Brim. Got to remember that in twenty years, the value of the debt will be significantly less as well. Good old inflation. And back in the day, keep the bastards honest. And we also had a, a side uh, Thank you. Comment, a side comment from another one, uh, from another uh, listener, Ender, saying, first productive parliament in a decade. Good point, but part of that too is that Malcolm Turnbull tried and Shorten just tried to squeeze him. So, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of just different perspectives there that I want to read out before we got to our, our third segment, Apricot. All good. So our final topic for today um, is a bit of a niche one. Uh, it is the collapse of the great revolutionary Victorians party that uh, Councillor Oscar Yildraz started up a few months ago, uh, paid for some uh Paid for some advertising in the Herald Sun, claimed he was going to win, you know, up to like 13, 16 seats at this upcoming election. Um, and they've now said that actually they're not going to even contest it. Yeah, look, I did I did read an article in the Herald Sun by Kieran Rooney on 12th of August 22 titled Victorians Party Announce Abrupt Exit from State Election Race Citing Finance Difficulties. And that just a, a couple of paragraphs from that because well, a couple of paragraphs because it supports my biases. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> this decision has been made due to the limitations on new political parties raising campaign funding under Victoria's electoral laws introduced after the last state election. 
This has meant that the party could not adequately fund its campaign to achieve its objectives in the limited time available to November. Under donation laws, uh, donations are capped at $4,200 a person. And that was the paragraph. Now, you can argue that they know the rules going into it. However, when it comes to keeping competition and maintaining their duopoly, Labor and the Liberals are like a two-headed Cerberus savaging a fluffy kitten. And that's my point of view. I think this has been made deliberately difficult by the two major parties for the fluffy little minor party kittens. Yeah, possibly. Um, broadly, I do support the donations reform. Um, personally, I just prefer if elections were publicly funded. <clears throat> but um, at least this way, you know, no matter if you're, you know, just a guy who works in IT or a multimillionaire property developer in Victoria, the maximum amount you can donate is 4200 I feel like that's a good, like, equalising of that. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, what it has meant is that Oscar Yildraz couldn't single-handedly fund a party's campaign, and he's very sad about that. Hmm. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. 4200 sounds um, a little low, actually. I think, um, you know, perhaps um, 5000 might be a better sort of thing. I don't like these um, donations like uh, Malcolm Turnbull made that time in I think it was 2019 election, $1.3 million. I mean, that's mm. a little bit mm. um, over the top. But, but then again, $1.3 million to him is you know, like $1,000 to us. So, well, look, just, that to, just clarify that for me again. That's uh, would he still, would someone still be able to make that uh, level of donation today or have the uh, federally have those, uh, those, donation limits being capped or was it a different process what do you mean well insofar as he he was able to give that amount of money uh is it still is it still open like for example if he turned around today is there anything to stop him at the federal level level making that size of donation anymore have you seen Malcolm's um, relationship with the Liberal Party lately? Well, well, let's let's <laughs> let's let's assume someone else for some for some reason he sees sees a green light and decides to uh, he wants to give it to the Greens. Uh, is uh, those have those limits been have those limits been changed? No, not as far no, as I know. No, no. Right. yeah. Um, so the Democrats' campaigns up here in uh, the Democrat. Um, Candidates up here in Queensland donated five thousand dollars of their own money each, and I think you know if, if a candidate wants to donate five thousand dollars to their own campaign, I can't see any problem with that. Um, mm. One of the um, yeah, one of the um, state executive up here, I believe, um, was going to donate ten thousand dollars. I'm not sure whether she did or not. Um, he or she did. I'm not going to sort of uh, um, try to put down who it was, but. Um, yeah, I think if members of the party want to donate money, um, they should be allowed to, you know. But when it comes to um, corporate donations, yeah, we, you need a cap on that. So if Malcolm wants to donate $1.3 million, I don't really see any problem with it. So, Also, just another thing to um, highlight it, that donation cap for Victorian elections, I believe, applies for the electoral cycle, not just the financial year. So you can't like donate four thousand one financial year, four thousand in the next before the election. It's from the election to election only four thousand two hundred. Ah, ah, that makes it a little more interesting. So well, four thousand yeah. two hundred is very is a very low amount as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, but that's talking from a party that's desperate for money. So uh, yeah, <laughs> huh. anybody anybody listening? Democrats.org.au. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but that is that's also sorry, that's, Apricot. <laughs> well, Apricot can give them a it can give Greens a plug too if he wants to. <laughs> um, Greens.org.au. There you go. <laughs> um, that is to my point though. You uh, to make it tighter and tighter 
does make it harder and harder for a minor party. So what you, both of you two, I mean, the, the Greens are less of a minor party now than, than what the Democrats are, but technically you're still both defined as minor parties. What do you think about there being a, a threshold of, uh, say, membership numbers or, or, or I don't know how you would mem measure it, but let's just use membership numbers. What do you two think about a threshold below which you can essentially have uh, three to ten times the amount of limit um, raised on your donations? Uh... Sounds That'd a little really complicated for a Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do on Talking Ozpol. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't think you should um, let membership numbers have any sort of say on what the um, donations are. So um, I think members want to donate. We've had members donate $10,000 over a financial year, um, but we put it onto the website. Um, Lynn Allison, for example, donated close to $10,000. Well, that was from a parliamentary levy, so she pays the levy on from a pension. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure how to take that question, Hardeep. What about so, you, Apricot? My, my only concern with it is when you introduce any kind of complexity like that, People are always going to try and game the system, and I would very much say take um, no offense, Fiona Patton, uh, but if you take the Reason Party for example, I would hate to see a system where it's like you know, say if the caps you know one thousand five hundred members before you know more stricter donation laws um, apply. I would hate to see a situation where you know the Reason Party just like forever has you know one thousand four hundred and ninety nine members. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. That and yeah. membership numbers are usually pretty kept, you know, under wraps. Yeah, we never um, say, uh, I think Clyde Palmer's the only one that reckons he's got 65,000 members or something. So, What's <laughs> just his emailing list? Yeah. Yeah, everybody that um, looks at his website has to register to look at it. So, and. Speak about policies. You ever seen Clive's policy page? It's no, I have. It's very unfortunate. It's got four dot points on it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, maybe, maybe number, maybe membership number is not the uh, the correct thing. I'm I'm not sure how the best way to judge size of party would be. Uh, I suppose it just seemed to it seemed to me that uh, if you're a bigger party you have more of an advantage because you can essentially do volume like like Walmart can do with uh, when it goes into a, a small a small country town in the US or you know a, a, a Bunnings can do to uh, local local hardware stores you know they've, they've essentially got the same rules but there is a factor that changes the game. And to me, it's just being gamed on the other end. But look, I was just a, it was it was just an idea, and it was a bit of a segue too. You, it sounded as though Apricot, you had a little bit of an opinion on the Victorians' party, the way the tone that you used to to introduce it. So I think I jumped into the donations before we got on to hearing your opinion <laughs> on the collapse of the Victorians' party. Look, I'm not going to be sad that they're gone. Um... Victorian's party, again, is just started by Oscar Yildraz. Um, it's one of these personality-based parties. Uh, they were simply trying to uh, capitalise a bit on the, you know, uh, anti-lockdown sentiment. Um, we don't need that, really, I think. Um, and, yeah, it was just a self-serving organisation for Oscar Yildraz. So hmm. it, okay. I'm, I'm very sad that it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you sound sad. Oh yeah, devastated. Okay, well, look, um, got, I'll you can't afford to sort of compensate. Sorry, what was that? I'll send you a carton of forex and drown your yeah. sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we've got a couple. Uh, just as we, uh, I see we're on the the tail end of topics and that. There's a couple more comments from Ku Brim. Uh, have a, have a look online if you want to read the four all of them. But uh, just to give here, uh, sorry, I'm assuming just to give Ku Brim's uh, 
final here's my unpopular opinion we actually need more politicians or more representatives at least for a representative democracy we have too few politicians representing too many people in the electorates so we'll take that as a comment but there's also other couple of our comments from KU Brim for people who want to engage in the chat uh, so just on on that comment one I completely agree um, and if you if you ever want to have a talk about that as a topic uh, feel free to reach out to become a guest on talking Ospol <laughs> yep yep you're 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 welcome I'll, I'll be we'll we'll be be clear you have to have uh, I suppose to demonstrate an online uh, presence with us just to uh, show that you're actually interested in the, the topic and have something to, to add. No offence, but if you've got a 12-day account, you're probably not going to get a, a Guernsey. But using KU Broom as an example there, if you do have some um, some well-thought-out uh, opinions and do have a topic you want to raise, contact uh, Apricot, contact myself, or just contact us via modmail at Australian politics we're always interested in having uh new and interesting guests mind you better long we also we also like having revisits from interesting guests as well oh are you still there ben long or have we lost you oh yeah i have i put myself on mute for a minute so on the headphones <laughs> so all good. Um, sorry, I couldn't be interesting, but I do try my best. So. <laughs> You're interesting. No, you are. I'm, a, I'm just just a Democrat. What we know, we try. <laughs> so. Well, on yeah. this note, we might uh, wrap it up for today. So, sure. thank you all for joining with us. Um, we will see you next week. And yeah, I hope you guys have a great day. You too. Thank okay, you very thanks much. For, thanks for having me this week, and. Um, yeah, I'll be tuning into your uh, podcast next week as well for putting my little comments in the comment section. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye. See ya.